Oh, uh, hey man, are you uh, are you are you uh, the Uber driver? It are just you, says the Uber. Are you trip? Yeah, it just says the Uber. How did you get? Did you legally change your name to just the Uber driver? That's what my parents named me. The oh, Uber. It's my grandmother's name. Okay. Um. Well, uh, you have the address there, right? I, I do. Uh, what podcast would you like to listen to as we journey to your destination? Oh, uh, do you do you have dissecting the eighties? That's a pretty good one. I do. I, I got an Android phone, and I use the Podcast Republic app, available for free on the Google Play Store. The Podcast Republic app? I've not heard of that one. Is it any good? It's great. It's how I listen to all my podcasts. I favorite them, and then each time they upload, it goes right to my phone. It's pretty great. Well, that sounds awesome. Uh, let's listen to Dissect the 80s as you take me to my place. You got it. Quick shout out and thank you to... I'm not sure if you go by Tom or Thomas, so I'm going to say both. Tom for supporting us on Patreon, or just in case, Thomas for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Thomas or Tom signed up at the $10 a month level, which means after 12 months, they will pick an episode and get to choose what comes out on this podcast, which is kind of a crazy thing. I think we should have at some point put a caveat in there of like, oh, by the way, we are not going to do it like immediately the second you hit 12 months necessarily. Like it will be within a reasonable time frame, and certainly you're not obligated to keep being subscribed after we will make sure it happens. It just like, it might not be instantaneously. Yes. So just want to let people know we didn't put that on there. I will put that on there. I think I should do that. Probably. It'll probably happen in like August, September months or like April, May months when a lot of movies aren't coming out and there's not a lot to tie into. Y- yeah. I mean, I think we could do something where that person doesn't have to necessarily wait like a ridiculously long time frame. We'll figure it out. We have yet to figure this out because it's not a problem that's arisen yet. But, you know, if there's four people who are going to pick in the same time frame, we're going to have to spread those out a little bit. But you will get to hear it within a reasonable you all time. You have to agree on one thing, and that's what <laughs> collectively you have to decide. <laughs> like, maybe we'll record it early and we'll give it to that person specifically, oh, and like then it'll that. come out later. We'll figure out a solution so that you're not waiting a super long time, but it may be a while before everybody hears it, is what I was trying to say. Anyway, thank you very, very much, Tom, or thank you very, very much, Thomas, for supporting us on Patreon. If you want to hear your name in this spot at the beginning of an episode, patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. Find the tier that works for you. We've got a $2 tier. We've got an $88 tier and plenty in between. So help out the show, would you? $2 is like less than the price of a little bag of Doritos. Yeah, I I mean. If you can sacrifice a bag of Doritos a month. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure that is the standard unit by which all people are measuring their consumption of items. It's like, oh, I would have had this bag of Doritos, but instead I'm going to support my favorite podcast on Patreon. Yeah, I mean, that's how I I like it. I like that you didn't do cup of coffee like everybody else does. Bottle well, no, of water. Because no, I don't no. presume to know bag how to drink of Doritos. Your coffee. <laughs> like you could be one of those a holes who gets like the forty minutes to say your order at Starbucks coffee. So I don't know how well, much that's you're the case. If that's the case, you drop just one of those drinks, and you can support us at like the ten dollar a month level. Exactly, but ever, but Doritos are about the same price everywhere. I think. Oh, I see. You went with the standard uniform Dorito price yeah, index. Exactly. I see. It's a very interesting economic world in which you would have it. <laughs> I live in I live in like a video game dystopian future where Doritos are currency. <laughs> I do not want to live there. And I, if you I, have cool ranch, I, I get love the fuck Dorito. Out. <laughs> you just alienated fifty percent of our audience. I did, and I know it's a hot take. I I, I prefer nacho cheese to cool ranch.
That was a gutsier take than uh, Jeff Goldblum. Like any, well, well, I would say any political statement we've ever made on this show is gutsier that you're like, oh no, Cool Ranch can suck it. Nacho cheese for life. Nacho cheese is where it's at. I agree with you, but I think we're in like an odd minority that we were a nacho cheese household. I know, and so I like, but I like to rise up, stand up, okay. be counted. All right. We have to start the <laughs> show. about Doritos. <laughs> yes. The crunchy, crunchy taste of Doritos. <laughs> Ding. Stop doing free ads for Frito-Lay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they can pay. If you want your name here, you can pay us. Hashtag sponsor us, please. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who... To my knowledge, has never had a second human being shrunk down to the size of a grain of rice and injected into his neck. The Macho Man Drew. Andrew Leno. And it was his butt the first time. It was his butt the first time. Uh, this is we a weird movie. We're very con- Just off the top. <laughs> it's, yes, anything, it is. This is a weird movie. Yes. Uh, we were very confused by some marketing for a shark movie. It was called The Meg, and so we were like, oh, another Meg Ryan vehicle. Like, it's weird. She's doing, like, a meta thing. So just based on title alone, we decided to pick our Thought tie-in. it was going to be, like, a new nightmare situation. And it was, yeah. like, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have to make another movie. But this time, they're, like, it's, like, the it's like half of the notebook. It's, like, the old people half of the notebook. I'm so glad you brought up Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, because I need to bring up something that's very upsetting to me that, I, that I've recently discovered. Do they hate I each just, other? Just for the... No, no, no. I just for the first time watched Joe versus the Volcano, which I'm guessing you've never seen. No. It's it's the first Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie before you've got Male Sleepers in Seattle. It misses the cutoff for being eligible for this show by less than 60 days. It's March 2nd, 1990. And it is such a perfect movie for T. Hanks giving that we can't do. And it is so deeply upsetting to me as to be ridiculous. It was shot in 89 for sure, and it was probably finished in the 80s for sure, but like slotted into that slow well, March time it frame. It be the last T. Hanks giving. Yeah, maybe that's, we'll make a special final, because it's March 2nd. That's, that's so, so ridiculous. Close. That was an 80s movie. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yes, I mean, for sure it was. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's I enjoyed the heck out of it from like a cornball, silly 80s movie standpoint. Uh, it, we, we maybe in you know, many years we'll do it for Thanksgiving, but I was like, oh, this is a perfect movie for the. Sh- You've got to be kidding me! March second, come on, Joe versus the volcano. Meg, Meg. Anyway, we watched this uh, Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, Meg Ryan movie, Inner Space. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the eighties. It's your Meg Ryan. Something's gotta be done about your Meg Ryan. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So I think we should start this review with something that we don't normally do on the show, but I think it's important that I read this to you first. Uh, this is an interview with Dennis Quaid from 1987, which is oh the boy. year the movie came out. And he says, quoting here, it's a dumb, stupid comedy, which is exactly what people need in the summertime. 
It's very idiotic, and I love it. We encounter every dumb, stupid cliche in the book. Leave your brain at home, and you'll have a good time. That is, like, really aggressive from an actor promoting a movie. Oh, that's not promoting a movie. But it's like an interview about... It's like that, like... It's basically Dennis... what the Twilight kid said about Twilight, or Jennifer Lawrence about uh, uh, Passengers. Yeah. See our yeah. previous episode where we just shadow over Passengers. <laughs> Also, I was trying to tell someone the story of the time we just digressed about Beauty and the Beast for 10 minutes, and then I was trying to find the clip, and I couldn't remember what episode of my own podcast it was in. So if a listener out there is listening and remembers the episode where we just clowned on Bell for a bunch, would you please tweet me so oh, that I, I can know the answer? We, like, went off on Belle and the song in the beginning of the movie. Uh, oh, how movie. she's mean to everyone. Yeah, yeah she's, like, a huge, now. huge jerk. Yeah. Uh, so if, you, if you're out there listening and you remember, please, I'm being sincere, please tweet me and tell me what that is because I wanted to share it with somebody and I, I couldn't remember the episode of my own podcast. This is a weird, pretty bad movie that I think a lot of people really like. Do they like it? I think so. This is, like, a I mean, I will say that technically it is pretty... Well, like the effects are pretty great for the 80s yeah and it's a joe dante movie which we on this podcast generally enjoys a joe dante movie yeah mr futterman's here microwaving yeah, with marge from gremlins 2 is here dick miller in case you want to you know use people's actual names nope the one character i remember the mass <laughs> <laughs> um we also are generally on this podcast do not care for dennis quaid well, and I, I don't know. think this no, changes that, that. Dislike Dennis Quaid. I think we're just ambivalent. Like, f- for a minute there, we th- considered him the more successful Quaid. And then we realized Randy had the better streak, even though Randy's, like, certifiable. Yeah, oh, absolutely. A complete psycho. I'm just saying, if you give me a Randy Quaid movie, there's a higher batting. I think we came up with, if you can, if you pick a random Dennis Quaid movie out of the pile and a random Randy Quaid movie out of the pile, your success, your average for success is better with randy which yeah, is not I what you'd expect that. wait hang on was dennis quaid field of dreams no that's costner oh uh dennis quaid was actually married to pj souls i don't know if what you knew that. uh-huh 70s so, darling pj souls <laughs> yeah they were married for five years do you think she wore a baseball cap to the wedding i don't i think she probably wore a nice white dress as you you know normally would uh and then he and meg ryan Got together after shooting this movie and eventually got married. Oh, wait. Are they married like now? No, they were married for like 10 years. They got divorced in 2000. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, Dennis Quaid's character in this movie, I've now moved on from talking about Dennis Quaid, is the saddest bastard we have covered on this show in a very long time. Maybe like, ever. Also the weirdliest cockiest yeah, so this movie opens, he's drunk at a fancy party. He's like slurring and stumbling his way. There's a there's a a really nice shot actually uh credit to to Joe Dante. He or, he picks up a drink and it's like a tumbler full of whiskey next to a tumbler that has like an appropriate amount of whiskey for a bar poured into it and he's like Where's the bathroom in this place anyway? And he's like, stum- he goes stumbling into the kitchen and then the, the cooks chase him out of there like, you dumb drunk idiot. And then he causes a huge scene at this fancy party and starts just like, he falls into I don't even what I assume is like a cake display of like a cake rocket ship. Yes. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. The end of yeah. Cupcake Wars. Uh, and that turns into like a huge fist fight and then Meg Ryan saves his ass. Well, it's so weird. So this movie uh, explains nothing. I'm just going to throw that one in the air. 
Oh, um, yeah. You have literally no idea what's going on in this movie. If you haven't like seen a... trailers, F off and get out. It's what this There's nothing in the trailer. Really? There's nothing in the trailer. No. This whole subplot of him being like, oh, I'm the disgraced former pilot who's you know, fallen so far down that I have to do this weird experiment. Never explained until like the movie explains it, which is way too long. Yeah. So when like he gets, it, he knocks over the cake, we assume. And then like four other Marines, cause he's a Marine or something or a, a pi- I believe, he, I believe he's a pilot. He's so probably military. not a Marine. The flying ones. <laughs> he has military bullets. Military bullets. He is a he naval aviator. Yes. He is a naval aviator. According okay. to the Wikipedia. So they all drag him into the kitchen to, like, rough him up and be like, you need to sober up. And then um, Meg Ryan, in a sweet-ass weirdo pulled-back hairstyle, whips out a tape recorder and, like, leans over to a general or higher up in the military. And it's like, shouldn't that guy be whatever, like, kicked out of the military? And he's Court-martial, like, I believe, is the term. Is that what she – no, but she doesn't say that. No, but she says, like, what disbarred she... or, like, the equivalent of disbarred for – Right. And I was like, oh, so she's like the investigative reporter who's trying to, like, give this guy shit. And then she goes into the kitchen. And they're like, would you take him home and clean him up? And I was like, wait, they're dating? So why is she talking shit? Right. The whole thing is very confusing. Unexplained. That's the, re- that's the stuff. If we're doing hot tag taglines, inner space, inexplained. But so that's the crazy thing is she takes him home and she cleans him up. And he immediately goes back to drinking. He has this robot arm that he's controlling with the joystick. And he's having it pour vodka for him. And he obviously sucks at this because mm-hmm. he pours vodka all over the table. I thought, I thought also, it was Chekhov's robot. I have this question for, for movie standpoints. Why is it that movie alcoholics, the shorthand on screen is the tiny little bottle of alcohol and never the big bottle? Because the tiny what? ones are what you hide. Like, you have those in your pocket. Ah. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about airplane bottle. I guess I guess this is small enough to fit in your pocket. Little, it's like, like the size the of a flask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because I would think that, like, this guy lives alone. He's not, like, a secret alcoholic where he's, like, hiding it from his family. You'd think there'd just be, like, big-ass bottle. Like, he'd, he'd well, have the Costco. When he when I almost said Rick Moranis. When Martin Short reached, <laughs> I wish this was Rick Moranis. Oh it would God. be so much better if it was Rick Moranis. Um, I really don't care for Martin Short. Little Shop. Yeah, but what, the one that yeah, you're right. He does pull out a bigger bottle later, but and that one is also hidden. Anyway, I guess it's all movie shorthand stuff that we're pointing out. Martin Short is in a doctor's office. Or, well, first of all, we get the Dick Miller cameo. We're going to mention it because we like uh, Dick yeah. Miller on this. I program. was going to say, Mister Futterman shows up. He's a cab driver, and Meg Ryan tries to, like, sneak away, and he beeps his horn and blows her cover, and then she gets away anyway. Dennis Quaid kicks a cab Dennis, for some reason. Dennis Quaid's butt comes out to play. It's a nice butt. It Yeah, it is It is a nice butt. So, cut to Martin Short in a doctor's office, and it's, like, very clearly from a movie standpoint of, like, here's the one half of the thing, and here comes the <laughs> second piece. It's, like, very, very straight down the middle. You uh, and the he's Julia. Like, now meet the Julie. Yeah. And Martin Short seems like a hypochondriac, although they never come right out and say that. And the Wikipedia article does, but it, there's no like no one in the movie says it. And I feel like the movie needs to say that. Right. The doctor intimates that he's there like every week and all that stuff. And it's like, well, if this guy has like a, a mental illness. Perhaps the doctor should treat him for that. If that's what the beef is here, maybe the doctor maybe could this be whole like movie is just a commentary on the state of mental illness care in America. 
It, you know, it wouldn't be the craziest thing. Maybe it's all in his head. There's no actual Dennis oh Quaid. Oh, my doesn't, God. I, <laughs> this I whole movie takes wish. place. <laughs> like, <laughs> at the very, very end of the movie, like, after you think the credits roll, Martin Short wakes up, and it's like, well, that was a crazy dream. No, it cuts to Martin Short with a... With a like toy version of the of the pod that was inside. Ah, uh, yes, yes, very yes. sane elsewhere. Yes. Anyway, he's in the doctor's office, and the only thing I want to point out about this doctor's office scene, you can feel free to to add if you like. But did you notice that the doctor does the knee reflex check, and there's like a boing, like comic cartoon sound effect before? There's a few weird sound stuff happening in this movie. But that was the one that got me most. Like he ends up doing the reflex kick and knocking over a bunch of instruments. But before he does it, there, it's like a boing. It was just very odd. Um, so we, cut to the experiment where I guess Dennis Quaid is responsible now. Yeah. So I, that's the thing I have trouble with his character. He's obviously supposed to be like a huge nightmare. Like he's drank his way out of the military basically is what we're supposed to understand and then he gets here and he's like giving orders and zipping and zapping and zooping and like i just don't understand what i'm supposed to feel here because later this dude is such an alcoholic that he devises a way that while literally inside martin short's body he can get alcohol which is like an the most indication that you have Which a problem I think honestly raises some some biological questions of like wouldn't the alcohol molecules be the same size as they are like shouldn't he be like dead like literally dead drunk um He's the size of a grain of rice drinking alcohol, which feels like it should kill him like pickle him yes. from the inside instantly but he does fill a flask that is the equivalent size to his body. With the alcohol. So, like, wouldn't it be the same as, like, basically if he stuck his finger in the bottle and licked it? Oh, maybe. You're right. That's fair. Like, it's a very small... Like, if he was just, like, sticking his head out the window and catching it, yeah, I think you're right. But because he has his flask, so it's, like, comparatively a smaller amount. That's fair. Yeah. That's that's the logic I'm going with for Inner Space, the movie, which is more logical conversation and thought that literally any human being has had about this movie. So, did they tell... Okay, maybe I missed it, and, like, I wasn't paying attention. Do they say the experiment is to shrink him down before he gets shrunk down? I th- I genuinely don't know, because I also had the same problem that you're describing. Like, this movie, I really struggled to pay attention to it, and I don't normally have that problem. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I have my notepad out, and I'm like, sometimes I'll look down to take a note or write down a joke or something like that. But just, like, sitting watching this movie, I was very bored. It's two hours long, which is 30 it's, minutes too many. Too many <laughs> it's minutes. a... Full two hours. It's like the the full, and there. That's that's the thing that's such a bummer is we say this a lot on this show that like oh there's a really great ninety minute movie. Andrew just said it there. This is probably the most egregious example of like there's just a half an hour of garbage in here. Just like what get get this out of here. And I don't 10 need minutes it. Minutes of it is at the end. Yes. Oh my God. The whole thing with the uh, okay. My last we'll note there. was, dear God, end this. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. We'll get there because I uh, there's some interesting societal commentary to go with the ending of this movie. I think maybe. Oh. So we have like a very Ghostbusters laboratory, which is interesting because it's supposed to be like an official government facility and not just like two or three jamokes building stuff in their garage, which I I think is boop. interesting. Yeah, but it's, like, also very homemade-looking, I thought. Well, because the guy says they used a carpet sweeper in something. He's like, we welded the pieces together, including a carpet sweeper. And I was like, right? is it 1912? (laughs) But also, like, why is there not, like, a real... Like, I get... 
obviously sometimes you find an an inelegant solution to a problem, but it seems like they should have the money to make this stuff. Yeah. Did they ever remake this movie, by the way? No, but this is... This is basically a remake as it is. There's a movie from the 60s called Fantastic Voyage that's about someone getting shrunk and going inside to like do a life-saving surgery. Mm-hmm. This just like does a wacky comedy spin on that. It's a, We use comedy with liberal air quotes to describe well, uh, this movie. I mean, I would say that this movie, is def- this movie definitely thinks it's a wacky comedy. Okay, fair. I don't I don't find this movie personally very funny, but if I was to describe it to you, I would have to say like it's a zany comedy, I guess. And I'm, I'm trying to think of what the It's Wikipedia, a non-medy. I like cuz you know Wikipedia will often be like is it blank is a 2012, you know, blankety blank blank. I feel like it just be like I think it just says American science fiction film. Yeah, like, it might say science fiction say comedy. It might say science fiction comedy, but again, it's very loose definitions here. Uh, so they shrink him down, and there's a very, like, Willy Wonka-esque ending to the shrinking sequence. It actually reminded me a lot of the sequence in uh, First Avenger, where Captain America becomes captainized. Oh, yeah. I just was watching that the last week, so I, it was fresh in my mind, but it was, like, a very and similar... Haley Atwell is just so taken aback by how hot Chris Evans is, she has to touch <laughs> well, him. To be fair, he's ridiculous when he gets oh. out of that thing. I would have wanted to touch when him, I and I am a When I saw Chris Evans man. in person, I almost did the same thing. Yeah, but I, I would have lost like, my job. Yeah, so I get it. No no judges here, Haley no. Atwell. So... I asked if it was remade because they a bunch of people break into the science plate, the lab. Yeah. There's no preamble to like, oh, we're trying to, you know, the Russians want to get it or like this other company wants it. Like at least in Jurassic Park, you know that like uh, there's a thir- another company that wants to steal all the science because of, yes. you know, capitalism or whatever. There's no explanation. <laughs> That's basically their. No, it was just I just love capitalism or whatever. I just thought it was funny. Karen or whatever your name is. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. But so like they're doing the experiment that they haven't explained to the audience, I don't think. And then all of a sudden someone comes into the room, like comes into the front desk and is clearly a bad guy. And they use this magical can of knockout spray. Yeah, it's very really violent. It's very silly. But then later people are shooting people. Well, t- I was like today that would have been headshots. It would have been like, I'm sorry, you aren't on the list. Boom, headshot in the face. Or, like, a tranquilizer gun. Oh, that, yes. But it's, because it, it almost looks like a, uh, like a fire, like a tiny fire extinguisher. The way it, it does, yeah. Up. I thought it was, like, mace when they started doing it. And no, it's a knockout spray, because everyone just right. drops. Yeah. And so I wrote, I feel like we needed more science battle exposition. Because I, I just, I just needed the scene you described, where it's like, okay, there's a rival company, this is our project. This is the rival company's project. Like instead of the opening bit with Martin short in the doctor's office, or in addition to that, like, why didn't we have a scene where some shady guy is like tailing Dennis Quaid and trying to find out where the lab is, you know, give me that. What it should have, we should have cut the gala scene where Dennis Quaid is drunk because it ends up being fairly inconsequential. Because we cut right to him being responsible enough for people to trust him with this experimental pre- project. Right. Cut Martin short, because we don't really need that. And cut right to like, hey, Dennis Quaid, we have to move the experiment up to today. I know it was supposed to be in three months, but like, we think the other company is going to move in and try and, you know, steal the research. So we got to do it today. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And you know what else I did? I just cut 20 minutes off this stupid movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> and solved all the problems. So they, there's this like weapony takeover while the experiment's going on, and the the doctor who set this whole thing up grabs the syringe that Dennis Quaid is suspended in. It's like liquid with him floating in it. And he goes running, which is like an impressive athletic feat for this doofusly looking doctor. He also, it's, so the, the conceit is that he is the only good guy doctor left in the facility conscious. Right. And so he grabs the thing and runs. And then there's a guy coming up the stairs casually who's a bad guy and doesn't try and stop him at all. No. And then not, this dude not, not runs all. like a huge, he runs like a dork, like a big old dork. <laughs> he and does I'm have a, a really bad run. He does have a bad run. Not good for him. All flailing limbs. And then he, he runs to a mall because it's the 80s. And once in the mall, ends up like zigging and zagging until he sees Martin Short. And is like, oh, here's a person I'm going to assault in the weirdest way any human being has ever been assaulted. So at first I was like, oh, I guess that's his doctor. From the beginning, and he recognizes him and is like, whatever, this crazy dude will keep this thing safe. And then I was like, oh, no, that wasn't his doctor. That's just a guy that he found in the mall and assaulted with a yeah. yeah, and also... Like all I of don't... your mom's urban legends. <laughs> <laughs> this girl sat down on a movie seat, and she felt a prick, and she got up, and there was a note that said, now you have AIDS. Now she has AIDS. So never go to the movies. Always bring your own cushion to the movie theater. It's a real story, mother, by the way. Just that's, like, that's, a, that's a real story that was passed around when I was in middle school. I was just thinking about that the other day of it's like how real. insane that was. I know. Well, as an urban legend. No, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's let's was, make sure we're. False, but it was very it really, is like, nonsense. But people were like, oh, yeah, this happens. Um, yeah. And the other thing with the whole Dr. Martin Short thing is I don't understand why knowing that he's a hypochondriac makes a lick of difference in the movie. Like, it, I don't it, understand the purpose of it as far as storytelling goes. The only thing I can think is that he's crazy, and so everyone knows that he's crazy, so when he starts babbling about voices in his head... But, like, hypochondria... Hypochondria? Hypochondria yeah. isn't necessarily, like, voices crazy. That's, like... Oh, my Right, it's not broken. even close. Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know how the doctor didn't accidentally stab himself with the needle, because he, like, throws it in his pocket and just starts running. He does. But then, like, the other thing I, I think is crazy about this scene is... A man covered in blood with a gun wound stabbed Martin Short with a needle in the middle of a mall and then got killed, like, or died, I guess, collapses the ground. And then a dude took pictures of it and a a fourth dude punched that dude and took his camera and nobody was freaking out. Oh, did he really? I thought he just punched him. He looks like he's dead, the photographer guy. Oh, well, nobody seems bothered by any of this. Like, if you ran down the middle of a mall with a gaping open wound and blood leaking everywhere, people would, it would be pandemonium. Is that, I thought he got, I see, I thought he got shot after he injected Martin Lawrence, Martin Short. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I got the timeline wrong, but if that's the case, like, the doctor gets shot in public. Because this guy literally points his finger like a like a gun, like a little kid doing like pew pew pew, and actually shoots him. And You're a right. little kid sees him and is like, "What?" And he just like blows the smoke out of his fingertip and it like smiles like a creeper. You're absolutely right. It's the henchman with the like mysterious mechanical arm that is also never explained. Go yeah. go gadget that is not really there for most of the movie. Right. He pops up later at the end. It's not a good movie, guys. 
No. So Martin Short, after getting assaulted with a needle, decides like, oh, the best thing I could do right now is go to work. So he goes to the grocery store where he works. And weirdly, they name it as Safeway, which I thought was kind of wild. They like used a real grocery store name. Maybe they didn't have to pay for it back then. I would think you did, but I have no idea, obviously. But I guess it was not like Safeway shown in a negative light or anything. But his boss at the grocery store is the old man from the Luck of the Irish Disney Channel original movie. And also, um, Mr. Peterman from Seinfeld? No. Isn't he Elaine's boss in Seinfeld? No. It's a different actor. Hang on. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not I, even... Like, that was my note. I was like, oh, it's Elaine's boss from Seinfeld. No. He may have been on Seinfeld, but he was not Mr. Peterman. You're, you're, you're not thinking of Mr. Pitt, are you? It's also Mr. not Pitt. Mr. Pitt. It's yeah, not I'm... Mr. Pitt. I can't believe you don't remember The Luck of the Irish, because certainly we didn't watch that movie because I wanted to watch it. I would have been that 14 or 15. That wasn't one of my favorites. It was no Halloween Town. I'm just saying, it's like the very tail end of me being aware of Disney Channel original movie programming, and so it had to be your fault. Ah, oh, so he was never in Seinfeld, and I'm just crazy. Yeah, no, I was definitely sure of that. Anyway, Quaid is activating his sequence of like what he's supposed to do and that's like the first thing is get to the optic nerve he's in a rabbit yes and so he's like oh i gotta get to the optic nerve so i can see so he gets up there and then the effect they use to show this thing like launching into the eyeball of martin short from the inside is pretty gnarly looking i i think all the effects in this movie are great and i wrote i'm really glad they were like trying to do this experiment that's super painful on a rabbit Well, you know, it's not a real thing. It's a, it's a rabbit. Additionally, the effects in this movie won an Academy Award for Best, Pic- or best uh, Effects. Yeah, they're great. So Martin Short is, like, totally losing it. He's, like, screaming about a white hot poker in his eye and, like, oh, my God, uh, ah, I'm melting. Ah. It's, like, people freaking out. And all the people he works with are like, yeah, okay, buddy. People could have, like, an eye problem. Like, it's not it's not as insane as they make it out to be as a reality. Like I know he's a hypochondriac and everything. I guess that's what the the point of that was. So that the, yeah. these people could blow him off, but it just seems really bizarre. They're like, Ugh, this weirdo reaction to him being like, my eye is burning. So he goes home to watch television within his body. Dennis Quaid. Uh, yes. This is the stupidest to shoot open his vein and get inside of it to his bloodstream. And I was like, that can't be good at all to just have blood <laughs> freewheeling through your body. Like, <laughs> I think that it's like a really small incision that would probably close on its own is supposed to be the logic we're working with here. But you're right. There would yes. definitely be some blood leaking. Yeah. And at this point I wrote, well, when are we getting the uh, countdown to re-enlargement? That always happens. Yes. Yes. The, the standard trope of the you've been shrunk down inside a human body situation in 12 hours you're gonna re-enlarge no matter where you are yeah it's interesting they instead of that in this movie they do the like you're gonna run out of air and die in there yeah which i like i almost like better because then martin short isn't in danger but i like that part because i think martin short is terrible in general or just in this movie i'm not a fan i don't get it i he does like all physical comedy facial expressions that like just do absolutely nothing for it's like trying to watch old jim carrey that i laughed at when i was nine and i'm mm. just like oh this is this is a thing i get you're trying hard you're doing a real good job trying hard i see you sweating there but like boy do i not want to watch you slap yourself and go like all the time yeah there is quite a lot of that blah, 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 blah. 
I'm trying to think what I know him from because I know I know Martin Short mostly from a movie called A Simple Wish. Okay. And Father of the Bride, I think, are the two that I know him from. Yeah, like I know he and Steve Martin are best buds, and I certainly have seen some Martin Short stuff, like old SNL. That's okay. Um, he's okay in Captain Ron, like which is a dumb movie. Um, Three Amigos is okay, but I like. I don't know if you remember this, but one of his big things back in the day was Jimmy Glick was oh, this like yeah. fat suit character. And I just remember being like, "Ugh, what are we doing here? Like, what is this and why are you subjecting me to it? So, oh, he was in We're Back, a dinosaur story. I didn't know that. Uh, you know who wrote We're Back? The guy who wrote Joe versus the volcano. Really? Yeah. He also wrote Moonstruck. He's got a weird and track icing on the cake. Doubt. What? That? Yeah, the the play that won yeah, all yeah, the awards. I know what, yeah, that's this dude has written. He's the it. weirdest. I, do you see why I was so upset we couldn't do an episode on it? Like he's such a per, like that is the weirdest career you could possibly have. It is. Anyway, yeah, I don't like Martin Short very much. I'm sorry. I hope that doesn't offend too many people. Oh, he wrote Doubt the Play originally. He didn't just add He directed the movie. Yeah. Right, he wrote um, the original play, and then he adapted it for the movie and directed it. I, I didn't realize he had uh, he had written the thing, too. Wow. So, wow. anyway, we're in Martin Short's apartment, and he's like, I'm going to watch some television. And Dennis Quaid is, like, talking to him at this point. He's connected to his eardrum so he can speak to him. And he's like, hey, I need your help. Hey, I need your help. And Martin Short's like, this is not happening. I'm going to turn the TV on. And Dennis Quaid's like, you know what? I'm going to blow up your television. And somehow, this is like your terraforming idea from the last episode. Somehow, he's able to fire off an electrical charge so powerful, or an EMP burst, or whatever it is, that it blows up the television, ejects a tape out of the VCR so hard that it blows out the window, and does absolutely no harm to either Martin Short or Dennis Quaid. Nope. Yeah, I, I wrote, that thing is too powerful. But I, right. I just realized, you know what this movie is? For a lot of it? It's Ghost. Yeah, it's kind of like Ghost. Martin Short is Whoopi Goldberg, and Dennis yeah. Quaid is, uh, is uh, Roundhouse Kick. <laughs> Roundhouse Kick. I lost his name. Patrick Swayze. He's a Hall of Famer, damn it. He is. The other thing that's kind of wild that I was thinking about watching this movie is Dennis Quaid, like, could conceivably have filmed his entire role in this movie in 10 days, maybe 12. Like, it's just him sitting in a tiny cockpit, getting jostled around, and then, like, tapping buttons. Occasionally shots over his shoulder onto a green screen. Right. And then, like, later he's in the movie, like, as a human being. But all the stuff while he's in Martin Short, which is most of the runtime, he's just not there. Mm-hmm. Like, this could almost be a stage play. Oh, very easily. Very where, easily. Where, like, uh, Randy, Randy Quaid, where Dennis Quaid is just, like, stationed at a stationary point on stage. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would, it would be no problem. Uh, I, according to the wiki, that he was, like, in a special booth on set so he could be, like, helpful to Martin Short as an actor, which is, like, good on him for not being a lazy asshole. But, like, it's just a weird... Like, it, I, it just fascinated me that, like, so much of this must have been awkward as hell to film. Oh, I'm sure. So as his television explodes, a guy knocks on the door and is like, hey, I got your cruise tickets here. And he's like, 
sign form or whatever. And Dennis Quaid immediately, despite the fact that he is inside his body and not really able to like get all of the information, is like, oh, this guy's no good. Watch out. Mm-hmm. I thought I was hoping. I mean, I, I watch a lot of cartoons, so I was hoping we were going to get the like he jabs into Martin Short's brain and starts controlling him like Ratatouille style. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Because it would make more sense than him being like, I need you to run, grab the gun. Because, like, Martin Short doesn't have any of those instincts. Like, his body doesn't know what to do. You can tell him what to do, but if Dennis Quaid was just, like, controlling you. (laughs) That would be how the remake would be. It would Mm -hmm. be, like, some ridiculous... Tatum. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he would be, like, fighting in uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy's body. Oh, my God, you just cast this movie today. <laughs> That's exactly how it would go. And she'd be like, what's happening to me? And he's in there doing, Flip like, through punch, a table. kick. Yeah, exactly. Like, choke slam, power bomb, super kick. Honestly, though, if, if they showed Melissa McCarthy actually, like, doing that stuff, like in, um, like, how she, all the stunt work from the new Ghostbusters, I wouldn't be oh, happy yeah. about that. No, 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 no. She's, we see her doing all of the fights, but it is just, like presuppose that it is Channing Tatum wearing her like a mech suit. <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, that that line absolutely has to be in the movie. I wouldn't be mad about that now that the more we talk about it. Cut off <laughs> half an hour from this movie? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I would watch it. It's fine. Yeah, I have movie pass now, so why not? Well, for now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows how long that's gonna last? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they go to the lab... And they're, like, poking and prodding Martin Short, and he's like, hold on, I'm going to turn up the volume of your hearing, which, again, insanity. And he hears them, like, talking about figuring out what to do with Martin Short and not really knowing what to do. So Dennis Quaid's like, all right, we got to get out of here. I'm going to tell you where my car is, and you're going to go to my apartment. And, like, you think an important mission is coming, and the important mission is that Dennis Quaid has gone almost a whole day without having a drink, and that's a problem for him. And so he's going to drink Soko. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that really is an odd choice for an alcoholic. I'm like, what fraternity are you pledging? <laughs> We're pissing off so many people out there. <laughs> I, I'm spicy today, guys. So Martin Short starts dancing, so we have an excuse to see Martin Short dance around an apartment. He drives his expensive red convertible, and he's like, oh, it's a, that's what that note meant. I have a note that said, oh, God, it's a stick. I'd be dead. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? It's a stick shift car. I would be dead. Well, Martin Short is not. And then he gets to the house and he gets to do, like, basically the stupider equivalent of Pee Wee Herman dancing at the bar. Or the dance from Freddy's 2 in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. It's weird. It makes you uncomfortable to look at. It's weird. Yeah, and it's just him dancing alone to this song. It's just stupid. And inside him, Dennis Quaid is getting hammered drunk. And I just, I know I keep harping on it, but, like, that is a crazy thing for a movie to do. Because, like, I don't know what, is his character arc supposed to be? Like, he's an alcoholic shambled mess, and then later he isn't? But it's not really explained that he improved himself in any way. No, it goes, I'm an alcoholic mess. I seem to be cleaned up miraculously. Oh, wait, now I'm back to being an alcoholic. I'm fine now. Marry me. Like, yeah. That is the that is the zigzag arc. And my other favorite part is Martin Short is definitely drunk. And when 
he needs to get somewhere, Dennis Quaid is like, oh, just slap yourself a bunch and then you'll be able to drive. Thanks, 1980s. Super cool and good thing you told people to do. Neat. Go smoke in hospitals and slap yourself sober. Genuinely, I would prefer it. Like if we had to pick one or two, one or the other of these two, I pick smoking in hospitals 10 on 10. Yeah, that's fair. Um, he's got a un- inexplicably, obviously, he's got a square photo of Meg Ryan in a rectangular frame. Yeah, I don't understand what the whole point of that was. It's like was a Polaroid like, that he jammed into like a standard frame. Guys, just use her actual headshot like every other movie does. <laughs> yeah, or I don't know. It's like a fifteen million dollar picture. Maybe someone could shoot a bunch of pictures of Meg Ryan in cool places and go develop the film. Certainly, there's a set here where she could be on a beach. Like we're in a film studio. We're still using promo footage of Andy and Andy's mom from Child's Play today. Yeah, like, yeah, yes, it's really yes. easy, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really stupid. All of a sudden, they're introducing a character called the Cowboy. Like, this movie yeah. is so dumb. Like, and it's just dumb. Star Trek dorks will know him uh, from Star Trek, although I is not a Star Trek thing that I watched, but he was uh, Doctor something, the Doctor, something like that. Are you thinking of Doctor Who? No, you ding-dong. I know who Doctor Who is. It's uh, Rick- Benjamin Richard. I wrote his name down here. Rick Moranis. No, Robert Picardo is the cowboy. Yeah, and all of a sudden, like, oh, the cowboy's coming. And I was like, why does anyone know who this guy is? He's, like, an arms dealer? Yeah, I don't, I don't, and again, this movie does, like, no hand-holding to try to explain the conflict within it. But I also hated the fact, like, adding to the shittiness of Dennis Quaid's character is Martin Short goes to talk to Meg Ryan, and eventually he's like just yell shut up at her and say this and this and this and he does and he's like yeah you gotta dominate her and i'm like maybe this not be human garbage, garbage bullshit yeah. like <laughs> put away your dick and measure it another time dennis quaid yeah like you need help maybe just be kind <laughs> you're literally trapped inside this sniveling doofus's body um and so he's like the cow- the cowboy is introduced on a plane for some reason megan ryan knows who he is even though she's a reporter so I don't, I don't know what connection. Yeah, she's the most well-connected reporter in history. Yeah. She knew Deep Throat. <laughs> but they introduced the cowboy by having him smoke a cigar on an airplane. And, like, is it bad that my brain didn't think that was wrong because it was the Yeah, I, was like, I didn't oh, either. That's probably a thing. Yeah, I was like, when did I mean, we gross. I, there were definitely smoking sections on airplanes into the 80s and into the late 80s. I don't know how yeah. far that went. I can't imagine cigar, stale cigar smoke. Yeah, I don't know if it was like cigarettes only, but it's not that big of, like, people always say that, but I'm not sure it's that big of a difference. Like, if people are smoking cigarettes versus a cigar, like, it all sucks. Yeah, it it does suck either way. I think stale cigar, because, like, like a cigar someone is actively smoking, I think, has that kind of a pleasant smell. I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't think someone fresh smoking a cigarette has a pleasant smell, so it's like... At least there's one of, like, the fresh version is fine, the stale version's bad, and then for cigarettes, like, both are bad. Uh, according to the internet, smoking on domestic airliners was banned on domestic flights under two hours beginning in 1988. All planes were smoke-free by the end of the 90s. I don't know, it doesn't have an exact date. So when Scream was in theaters, you could still smoke on some airplanes. 
The ban extended to domestic flights of six hours or less in February 1990 and to all domestic and international flights in 2000. The 1990 ban applied only to the passengers and the cabin of the aircraft and not to the flight deck. Pilots were allowed to continue smoking after the ban due to concerns over flight safety issues caused by nicotine withdrawal. So in 1990, (laughs) you had to stop smoking as a passenger in 1990. No, 2000 it said. Well, but it says... Domestic flights of six hours or less. I don't think there's any domestic flight over six hours. Uh, I don't think there. Uh, six hours is like the top end of domestic flight. Yeah, I'm guessing. Would that be? Would like, I don't think you can go Florida sh- I, uh, to Alaska. Would that be? A I don't think flight? that would be one flight. Mm. I guess it could be. Florida to Alaska would be more than six hours, but I'm not sure that that exists. It would have to be a flight to Alaska or Hawaii to break six, because you can go west coast about five. Yeah. Anyway. You could smoke on airplanes for way too dang long. Is the short yeah. answer. You could you could watch girls just want to have fun on an airplane while smoking. Yeah, uh, he also does a standard movie badass trick, which is like put the cigar out in his own palm. That's what I was getting to. And every time I see that, I'm like, I'm not impressed by this. I just think you're stupid. You're just like a weirdo. Like that's that's not cool. It's not like a badass. You're just a weirdo. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you could burn the hell out of yourself without flinching, you're pretty tough. I'm just also going to think you're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, like, Hayden Panettiere could do it on Heroes. Yeah, no, it's like, it's again, it's like just movie shorthand for tough person. So then there's a wacky bathroom misunderstanding where Martin Short's talking to Dennis Quaid while he's peeing at the urinal, and the guy thinks he's talking about his dick. Because this is funny, guys. Yeah, yeah. The guy, like, casually pats him on the shoulder and is like... You don't need to talk to it, kid. Or something. Buddy, this is not that kind of bathroom. Is this where we're in the club? No, we're at the restaurant. Okay. Um, where Meg Ryan is useless. Because Martin Short comes out of the bathroom and I think Inspector Gadget grabs him. Like, I don't know if it's him or just like another bad guy. And Meg Ryan stands up and she's like, I have 20,000 volts in my gun and it'll knock you out and i was like oh you are not you're not going to be a good shot meg ryan maybe you should yeah wait till martin short drops to the ground also to use a stun gun it's like i don't think you can be a good shot it fires like two little projectiles it's not like a bullet where you can like you know hit the center of a cd if you were really talented yeah so of course she hits martin short and it knocks him out and she very ineffective is like well someone called the police <laughs> like see literally that tone and inflection so we were talking about this a little bit before we had the mics running i think like generally the meg ryan character in this movie is kind of assertive for this era like she's she's handling guns she's got a stun gun she's rushing into danger you know etc etc but obviously she's still kind of damsel and distressy at a lot of parts yeah i think she gets badass later when Dennis Quaid has switched to her body, because I'm guessing there's some, we were supposed to infer something about that. Ah, uh, okay. Like she needed some testosterone in her. Yeah, without a man, a woman has nothing. That's what all movies teach us. That is true. That is what all movies teach us. So he gets knocked out, and they take him and they put him in the back of a meat truck, and Meg Ryan chases the meat truck in the convertible. And eventually they like thaw Martin Short out and are the like, hey. from Miami shows up. Yes, yes. He's and wearing a start- white suit and a big fur-collared coat and smoking a cigar, and he's kind of hunched over. Yeah, he's wonderful. Like, a very good bad guy. And he, like, wakes up Martin Short and is like, all right, 
you got this thing inside you. We need to get it out of you, blah, blah, blah. It's very important for us that you're alive, so we're going to keep you alive. And then they get in the back of the truck, and Dennis Quaid starts, like, talking to him. And he's like, all right, pay attention. You see the back Start door? Like, look in around. tongues. Yeah, that's pretty weird. I did. I, I, don't, I wasn't sure if that was, like, a military thing. Because, you know, like, Semper Fi is a thing for well, what? Are, wait, what are you talking about? When he's talking to him in the truck, he's like, you got to envision it. You got to do it. And he's like, like in the middle at the end. I was like, wait, what just happened? I don't remember this. Yeah, he straight up speaks. And I don't know if it's like Latin, like some military pump him up phrase. I swear it happened. I have literally no idea what you're talking about. Did they just like not? Did you just get like a dubbed? Did you put the just change the language on your remote for like one line? No. He's inside his head, and he's like, envision it. You gotta see yourself doing it. You gotta psych yourself up, see yourself yeah, doing I, it. Yeah, I remember exactly the scene you're talking about, and not at all of him speaking in tongues. And then at the end, he basically, like, speaks Dothraki from Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, I did not Which is the uh, extent of my that. references to Game of Thrones, guys. Yeah, no, that's that's the list. Anyway, he's like, look at the back door. It's open. Which, like, no, it wouldn't be. No, <laughs> Like, it it's not. impossible... I guess if they, if your, like, supreme leader is back there, you wouldn't want to lock him in. I suppose, but he, like, bursts past this guy and swings out the door. And it actually is some pretty cool stunt work, this little bit, where he's, like, trying to jump into the convertible. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of him. that scene from Kick-Ass 2, if you saw that. Where, um, I did not. Yeah, there's a really great scene. It's, like, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie where Hit Girl, like, they these people bomb a funeral and then drive away. And Hit Girl tails them by, like, climbing on top, and no one notices she's there. And she's, like, swinging all around on the doors and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, I bet mean, that sounds pretty much exactly like this. Except Martin Short ends up doing a really cool stunt where he stands on the windshield, the top of the windshield of the convertible, before, like, falling into his seat, which is pretty nifty looking. But it's a, it's he, an intense stunt. It's cool looking. He takes too long to jump out, like, to, to yeah. jump into the car. Way too long. Um so this is again where I went, how does she know who the cowboy is? Right. And then we see the peng- the, the Miami Penguin has the weirdest warehouse office. Yeah, it's definitely like just a henchman's lair, right? Like it's, there's no logical explanation for it other than it's, it's like, that. It's like in 30 Rock when Tracy goes away to Africa and just sets up a backdrop in one corner of a warehouse. Like one corner is done up like a pink cocaine dealer's like a white with pink neon light cocaine dealers hideout. So he can t- like send people Polaroids of him like, look at me, I'm a coke dealer. I'm Scarface. Look at my cool white dog. Get it? It's um, white like cocaine. Yeah. And this is where I went, oh, this is going to be a weird love triangle that I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is especially stupid because Martin Short has known this woman for like 16 hours total. Not even. He just met her like a few hours ago because they were at lunch. He meets her, puts her in the car, they drive to the restaurant, and then he got kidnapped. So it's maybe right. even five. You're right. You're right. And then they go to this weirdo rave thing that was, like, kind of mentioned before. Yeah, there's, like, a bizarre dance club interlude. Where everyone's dressed like Cindy Lauper punk acid version. But here's my two favorite parts of the scene. One, the cowboy is like, hello, Meg Ryan. I need you to know something about me. I make love with my boots on. And I'm like, ew, like, that's gross. Do you, you're outside walking. You shouldn't even wear your shoes in your house, let alone into your bed, you goon. Like, what is wrong with I you? I mean, if, it's, if, it's a, if it's your jam, 
whatever. Not hurt. I just mean from, I mean, hey, chase your truth, stand in your bliss. But just like maybe have clean shoes that you do that with so you don't put road dirt and poo at particles everywhere in your home. Like, like change out of the road shoes and into has, your like, bed shoes. Bone and boots. Yeah, and that's you need a, a separate pair. But more importantly, they showed Dennis Quaid eating in the pod in this scene. Why is there food? It. Yeah, <laughs> he has like a chicken nugget at one point. Like, what oh, is he eating? I saw him like open up a snack pack and just like grab a plastic spoon and go to town. This a-hole's in there, like, making ham and cheese Lunchables. Like, you're getting cracker crumbs everywhere. This is literally inside someone's body. What are you in doing? bloodstream. Right. I don't... And, like, how long was this mission supposed to last that there's food in the compartment? Like, I understand in case of emergency, but, like, what? But he's... But they also know he's going to run out of oxygen in 36 hours, approximately. Right. So why does he have that much food? Whatever. Um... The woman that Martin Short works with and wanted to go on a date with who blew him off for this same rave sees him there and is like, it's crazy. You're the only person at work I've never slept with. And you're the one that I really want to sleep with. And I was like, once like this is so many instances of slut shaming in this movie. It's insane. (laughs) I didn't think of this as slut shaming. I thought this was trying to make this woman look like an idiot. But you are correct. Well, because earlier the the lady sci- the like sexy lady scientist for the bad guys wants to sleep with everyone, and they're like, "You slut, get out of here!" Yeah, they really do make the other scientist woman like a real slutty lady, and that's her whole character. She's a scientist. She's a scientist of some kind that we don't know, and uh, also likes sex. And that's the oh, and she's a redhead. That's the end of her character. And like all those things are fine. It just is like not a whole lot of personality being given to this person yeah like you know who else was a sexy scientist laura dern in jurassic park <laughs> uh yeah i mean i'm not sure that's every other person's sex icon but sure. no but like no but like a sexy scientist character that like has an actual character i love that character and i deeply love that movie i'm just saying i'm not sure other people saw laura dern in a pink shirt and were like fuck yeah this is my shit it's no, awesome. I'm not saying I'm not saying like she's a sex icon. I'm, I'm saying I'm just, I'm just saying there I, are ways to write sexy like sexy scientist characters that have actual character. I, I think what I'm trying to say is I'm not sure many people would call Laura Dern's character in Jurassic Park a sexy scientist, a good scientist, a strong female character, a a, a, a great character. Period. All these things. I'm just not sure well, a lot yeah, of yeah. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of the book where she was like described as like weirdly sexy. Yeah, and not that I don't think Laura Dern is attractive. I just wouldn't call Ellie Sattler, like, if of the many words I would use to describe her, I'm not sure sexy would enter into it. You alienated so many viewers. I just, I'm just saying, our like... Gay, her- our gay listeners are out. <laughs> but, like, her character is wearing, like, hiking gear and is sweaty and or bloody for most of the movie. They don't... The movie does not try to make her look sexy, is what I'm trying to say. It might be your thing, and that's fine. I don't... This show takes no stances on what you're into, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. But I just don't think most people are like, yeah, give me that sweaty hiker... <laughs> That's my jam. It's like, uh, I don't need the Victoria's Secret catalog. I don't need to go to Chippendales. I just want to see some sweaty people on the Appalachian Trail. 
do they look like they haven't slept properly in two days and would punch you in the throat for an apple? Yeah, that's <laughs> my deal. Uh, where are we? In the stupid movie. Oh, the convenient science magic. Yes, this is the stupidest part of this whole movie. And that's saying a lot because this movie is very stupid. Like, once again, this movie forgets to explain. Like, I feel like the movie forgets it's a movie and needs to explain itself. I, did this? I, I, maybe this came with, like, a compendium. Like, you were supposed to read the novelization first to get a primer. You had to read the tie-in. Yeah. In the extended inner space universe. They literally have a scene where Dennis Quaid, like, has the manual for the book open and is flipping through it like, oh, I can do a bunch of stuff to you. And it wasn't even described as, like, this is something I was supposed to be doing in my experiment in the rabbit. Like, make the rabbit look like a dog or some insane thing. We don't know what the, like, what was he supposed to do in the rabbit? We don't know. No idea. And also, they talk about, oh, he established a communication link. We weren't sure he was going to be able to do that. How the hell were you going to test that in a rabbit? It's it, nothing is clear in this stupid movie. So he's like, I'm going to magically like go look at the bad guy. And he like taps away on the computer and the computer scans the bad guy's face. He like Snapchat's face scans him. Yes. Yes. And then he's like, hold still. And then he Martin Short just like starts shaking his face all over in the mirror. And as he does it, they transform him into the other actor. And it's just like, hold on a minute. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever seen. Yeah, it's so dumb. I mean, the effect that switches him into and out of the car- the guy looks really cool. It does. It does. But it's. I was like, this. What? Ha- what? Why is this a thing now? It's so bizarre. They also muck up the timeline because when Martin Short was in the laboratory talking to the guys, they said, "Oh, he has till nine a.m." That's when his oxygen runs out. And so unless they went like 9 a.m. in four days, I'm <laughs> led to believe that's like maybe 16 hours away. Right. Yeah, so, the timeline is messed up. Because like, oh, now you have to pose as the cowboy and go get the microchip. And I was like, what time is it? Hey. <laughs> yes. Like, treat this like 24 and tell me when every hour happens. Yeah, that would be very helpful as an audience member if I knew like amount of oxygen left two hours whatever because they keep being like 30 percent reserve and i was like what that means nothing to me do you expect me to have calculated what 100 percent was and worked backward because if so i did not just say oxygen levels at 30 minutes or like yeah at 10 hours like just right. say that right you literally just had a scene wherein a computer changed the shape of this person's face which like involves moving bones and you can't tell me how much oxygen is left with a timer like come on yeah so they infiltrate this meeting and they go like back and forth about like the deal negotiation and then the inspector gadget henchman is like here i have a flamethrower in my wrist and he starts burning up like whatever this thing on the table is some sort of food raw egg Oh, okay. Because he did knock over stuff and start dabbing and wiping it up. Yeah, like the the butler character was like cracking raw eggs into bowls, and they were serving it with like what looked like part of a taco shell. Maybe it was supposed to be like a soft boiled egg. Oh, I don't know. It looked like he just straight like cracked, like did like oh, into a okay. mixing bowl crack. But I, don't I, know. I he starts setting what looks like a taco shell on fire, and I was like, I've eaten some fancy breakfast, 
and I have eaten some unfancy breakfast, and I have never seen just a half a taco oh. shell. I, it's 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 not. And when we say half a taco shell, it's like you took the the two round parts and cracked them off, so you just had the little like the canoe canal the canal for meats and cheeses, but not the yes. actual like depth. And it's you, dipped into a raw egg yolk. You know when you eat a taco and like all the good stuff is at the crease, like all the meat. Is that the crease? That is the only portion of taco shell that we're describing. The portion of taco shell that gets soggy, that it never stays crispy. Yeah, well, you just don't eat your tacos fast enough. Well, if I'm driving home from Taco Bell. <laughs> you can't order a crunchy taco to go. That's a suicide mission. Meg Ryan does nothing to help when they, like, kidnap Martin Short when he turns back into Martin Short. Okay, even crazier than that is... Martin Short starts doing his, like, and then his face turns back, and Meg Ryan reacts like she didn't know it was Martin Short. Yeah, this movie is dumb and doesn't know what it is. She's like, oh, right as the other people are like, oh, it's that guy. Meg Ryan, you know who this was. What are you doing? (sighs) So they both get captured, and they throw him in a cell, and... Dennis Quaid is like, I need you to tell her this important thing about Slide how much a penny I love her. Under the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Te- I, this movie is very similar to Ghost. It is very similar to Ghost. Yes, except Patrick Swayze and Ghost is like a good human being. That character and this char- character is a piece of crap. Yeah. So they kiss after like Dennis Quaid's confession, and they don't know it, but they've transported Dennis Quaid from Martin Short to Meg Ryan in this kiss. Because sure, guys, just sure. We got to burn another 45 minutes of this movie. Yeah, this this part is like the easiest thing to cut. It is completely unnecessary. Let's 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 hype up this love triangle some more. Yeah, to the point where Martin Short is like, I need to talk to her alone. I need you to unplug for me. It's like, dude, you've known this woman for a half a day, like one work shift you've known this woman for. Can you cool it with the declarations of love, please? Because she's a woman, and she doesn't know what she needs. And Martin Short is a man, and he knows what she needs. Right. Now, to be fair, Martin Short, in this amount of time, could accurately have been like, Hey, not my place, but this dude is a piece of trash, and you seem great. So maybe he don't... Says that, he says that to Dennis Quaid. He's like, I you're know. a jerk, and she deserves better than you. And Dennis Quaid's like, you don't know me. Pour more alcohol in your gullet so I can get drunk inside you. Like, I think he knows you, bud. I think he has a good idea of the type of person you are. And I'm not trying to poo-poo people who have alcoholism because that's like a serious problem. I'm talking about this fictional character who's just a doofus. Yes, exactly. Um, so we they drag Martin Short into this, like, operating theater. And they're like, we're going to put our pod into you to get to combat the other pod. And I don't know why they needed to do that. Right. There was something about, like, they need to capture the other pod so that they can, like, reverse engineer it. And then the evil bad guy. I don't understand why they needed that when they had their own pod. You know what I mean? I I think their pod is, like, janky and their other pod is better. But Uh, it's not explained. I thought their pod looked cooler. Like, their pod was like, oh, that's, that's the cooler of the two. That would be the toy that I would want. Their pod is like the little machine from Avatar that inexplicably has like a bunch of weapons on it. Those like mech suits. I, it's been a while since I've seen Avatar. Do you mean well, the okay. like power lifters? Yeah. Well, they're like, there's like a knife in the hol- holster of them, but yes. I do you remember? remember do, do you remember? Things. Okay. Do you remember in the Avatar portion of Animal Kingdom? Yeah. 
there's like a huge power lifter mech suit thing that yeah. I took a picture in front of. Not the yeah, people yeah. that walk around, the like bigger than that one. Oh, okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. I'm here with you now. <laughs> That's what their thing looks like. I forgot like, they were two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the giant size mech suit. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, Meg Ryan's pregnant. It, what? Meg Ryan's pregnant. Wait, That's I totally annoying. missed that. Is that actually part of the movie? Yeah, because all of a sudden he's face to face with a damn fetus and goes, oh, I'm going to be a dad. How do they not mention the baby when they get married? That Okay, my theory is even more correct now. With theory? I, I will get there. I'm okay. saving it. Um, yeah, no, later he comes out, he's like, why didn't you tell me I'm going to be a father when he comes out of, when he's like, gets big. I totally missed that. Okay. Yeah. I, cause I was like, cause he says, he's like, oh, I'm in Meg Ryan, not Martin Short. I can't remember anyone's <laughs> names. Cause this is a fetus. And cause I was, cause I was like, uh, cause at first I was like, is that supposed to be the backside of Meg Ryan's eyes? Cause that's weird. And then I was like, oh, no, that's a fetus. This is this is a fetus, and this movie's weirder now. I 100% know the scene. Like, I, I'm watching the scene again in my head, and somehow my brain didn't connect, like, fetus. I was too busy being like, oh, of course, she got, she got spit into Meg Ryan. And I was, like, writing all these notes calling this movie stupid, and it was supposed to be this, like, profound piece. Yeah, uh, yeah. so Meg Ryan's pregnant, guys. And then they inject the new pod into Martin Short. At that point, she comes bursting in, guns blazing, and is like, all right, I've had enough of this. We're getting him out of here. Dennis Quaid in her, so she can use a gun now. Yeah. But he doesn't, like, talk to her when he's in her. He does, Like, she doesn't know he's in there until much later. Well, he only had one talking device and one eye device, and he yes. used them up in Martin Short. Yeah. So he has to, like, later blast a tape from his Walkman on the external speakers that he inexplicably has the hookup cord for, because, sure... Yeah, it's it's just dumb. But she herds the entire bad guy squad into the shrink machine, and then they just start, like, randomly smashing buttons on this. And I really wanted it to be a reverse. Like, I wanted them to be bigger instead of smaller. Oh, honey, I blew up the kid. Yeah, much more entertaining if they're, like, 150% sized or 200% sized. But instead, they make them half-sized, which ends up being kind of funny-looking, I'll be honest. I was impressed by the effects later. When we eventually see it 20 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, it's way too damn long. Because they keep I keep being like, oh, they're not going to show us what they look like. Because they shrunk them down to 50%. Right. And I was like, they're not going to show it? And then they, like, run away, and then someone discovers them, and they only show the, like people who discover them face and i was like show me what they look like (laughs) right because those people are looking at like oh crap all their parts got mixed together their reaction is like much grosser than what it actually looks like the fly yes yes so meg ryan like kisses martin short and spits dennis quaid back into martin short which somehow sure uh somehow he got down to her belly or (laughs) jesus public school somehow he got down to her uterus saw that there was a baby and then like was able to get back into her mouth i feel like that's a long journey at the grain of rice size yeah there's no explanation of how fast the ship moves or how the ship moves or anything and if he's in the bloodstream like your blood circulates throughout your body like more or less instantaneously i feel like he would be inside there just vomiting constantly (laughs) Well, and they find, like, earlier in the movie, they were like, you can't go into the heart, and they don't say why. And then he does it, and nothing bad happens. Yeah, it's so bad. So, they, they're they driving away, and then we get tiny puppet hands glued to Martin Short's face <laughs> while a uh, po- added-in post, a bad guy behind him. 
I really love the like little peaks you see of the the redhead scientist bad guy lady or bad lady and then the bad guy like their heads poking out between the seats while they don't notice. It's like very chucky or or whatever silliness. Yeah. There's an there's a weird ass too long car fight where they're fighting and then the evil scientist that got shrunk down is putting like bolts around Martin Short's airway. Yeah, it's very strange. I was like, what? This was not explained what your mission was, dude. <laughs> I think he's trying to, like, help that other guy get out of him or something, but it's still very bizarre. It's so dumb. It, I will say, though, like, from an effect standpoint, other than the little creepy doll hands, which obviously look very fake and clunky, this is very good looking. The scene yeah. where, like, the, the two of them are walking down a city street and everything is, like, giant-sized comparatively, very Ant-Man-like, is great looking. I was stunned. I thought it was going to look awful. And the giant payphone set they build for them? Yeah, I mean, that's a set, so that's, like, a fairly easy thing to achieve, but they, like, you know, they walk down the street a little bit, and it's it's really good. Yeah. Uh, Martin Short digests the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy's pod, like Avatar, has just infinite weapons, so Dennis Quaid is, like, poking him and prodding him with his little, you know, medical gadgets, but I don't understand why the bad guy pod is, like, weaponized. Because they're bad guys, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But yeah, he does get stomach acided to death, which is pretty cool. Yeah, because it looks like in Jaws when they find... Um, whose boat is that in Jaws? Ben Gardner. Yes, then you see Ben Gardner. Chekhov's hairspray, which is our first hairspray. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's he sneezes, Martin Short sneezes out Dennis Quaid. And then for some reason, the scientists decided to make it a riddle to figure out which if you wanted to shrink or grow someone. Yeah, I don't understand why it's so complicated to do this. And then there's an additional scene where he's like, okay, here's the microchip, put it on the board. And this robot arm is like, it's like that scene in Austin Powers where he gets stuck in the hallway. And eventually the, (laughs) the other guy's like, damn it. And he just puts it on himself. And I was like, why wasn't that step one? Time is a factor here. It's a comedy trip. Oh, I, I forgot. It was very funny. I'm sorry. Laugh. I, I mean, I am a huge Alice in Wonderland nerd, so I knew exa- I was like, oh, the, the eating the cake shrinks you and drinking the potion grows you. No, no. Yeah, opposite. The, this is you how drink- you have. Pro- this is why you don't put coded messages in yeah. your basic science. Drink me experiment. shrinks her. And then she gets too tiny and she eats the cake and she grows big. And then she shrinks again and sucks into the bottle. So he gets re-enlarged and they pretty much do the scene in Star Wars where Luke gets back to the base and everyone's like, yay! And he falls out and he hugs Carrie Fisher. That's just like basically the scene that happens here. Yeah. Um, Starwipe. That's where the movie should have ended. Yes. Starwipe 2, it's the 80s and we have an insane puritanical need to make sure nobody has sex out of wedlock or has a child out of wedlock. And that's the only reason why there's a wedding at the end of this movie only reason 100% if she's prego there has to be a marriage and that that makes it even more that's the only reason that makes any sense so we get this long long scene at the wedding where they're like oh my god didn't we have such a cool adventure and like it's so cool that we're friends now and inexplicably the the boss of the Martin Short is at this wedding. Like he doesn't have any connection to this couple. Like the, the the best man, if he's the best man, does not get a bunch of guests to invite, which include his you get boss. A plus one, maybe. yeah. And then 
it turns out that their limo is being driven by the cowboy and the cowboy like pops the trunk and the two people who have been shrink rayed are in the back seat and Dennis Quaid is wearing the microchips as his uh, cufflinks, which is just Dear seems God, like it. end this is what Yes. It's just like, it's a good seven minutes of stupid, like just doesn't do anything for the movie. No, because then it's like Martin Short being empowered to be like, no, you slut, I'm never going to date you. And I quit. I'm going to go drive away in a red convertible. Because I need to save the day. And he just like hops in and starts the car. And that's the end of the movie, mercifully. Uh, Final thoughts? Not good. And it's too long. Yeah, I I really thought this was going to be kind of fun. And I hated it. Like, I thought this would be an enjoyable romp. It's too long. And and that's because if it was 90 minutes, we could make fun of it and have fun with it. But right. I feel exhausted from talking. I mean, I know it's 200 degrees in my house, but like, I feel exhausted from talking about it. Like, it's just uh, I such a long of Rugrats movie. Where they have to go get the watermelon seed out of Chucky. Yeah, I, I definitely do not recommend this. Oh, to is you. it? I, I don't have an alternate body shrink movie to recommend to you, but yeah, watch that instead. Oh snap! Yeah, and I think that's all streaming on Hulu right now. I think that's what I'm going to watch when I turn this off. Yeah, yeah. I think Hulu just got Rugrats. I'm going to look that up and watch that episode of Rugrats. I do want to do a quick read of a review we just got for the show. If you want to hear your review of the show read, all you have to do is review it. Uh, This is from, I'm going to regret doing this, Down Under. We have another review from Australia. So uh, thank you for listening. And your gift is that I'm not going to do this in a bad Australian accident. This is from Fiona and Haley. The title is Enlightening, Hilarious, and Fun. And I just, I'm not poo-pooing any of our reviews. We, uh, very nice things people say about us. Always very flattering. These two people from Australia compared us to my favorite podcast, which is the one that I listen to the most, is the McElroy Brothers. And that was perhaps the most flattering thing. Even though they don't directly compare us, they just put us in the same breath. It was enough for me. So, five stars. Having caught up on the McElroy Brothers content, we were looking for something new. We stumbled across Dissecting the 80s in the Podcast Republic app, available on the Google Play Store, and figured, what the hell? We're so glad we did. It's our new favorite podcast. Best of all, there's four years of content to binge on. If you like Funny Brothers and Bad 80s movies, this podcast is for you. Love, Fiona and Haley from Australia. Well, thank you very much. It's bananas how much traction we get in Australia. Yeah. Maybe one day, maybe one day we could do a live one down down there. I would, but also everything wants to kill me there. Yes, but how about we save Crocodile Dundee for our live episode in Australia? I think he's like a national hero there, right? Sure. I know he's not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know you don't like that. You all ride kangaroos to school. <laughs> yeah, they ride kangaroos to school. They throw another shrimp on the Barbie and they all drink Fosters. That is what we know about Australia. No, sincerely, thank you. And it is crazy that someone that lives literally on the other side of the planet is listening to our show. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's incredibly flattering. You're very cool folks down there. But yeah, it's... We appreciate all of our listeners all over. If you listen to this show, you're a good good egg in my book, probably. Anyway, thank you very much, Fiona and Haley. We really appreciate that. Don't forget to review the show on iTunes if you haven't done it yet. It just takes a minute, and then you get to hear it on the air. That's uh, the easiest way for us to give you a shout-out is if you review the show. Also, don't forget to check Patreon, patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. And then if you want to get in touch with us, 
Facebook.com slash dissectingtheeighties, Twitter.com slash dissectthe80s. And if you want to get in touch with us via email, it's dissectingtheeighties at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We will be back in uh, two weeks with our anniversary episode. Woo! That is the conclusion of season four. Yeah, I think this is going into our fifth year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, And the episode will be about a movie that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. And we've been like trying to find a reason to do it and and not really uh, found one. So I'm just sticking it in here because there's really not a good Cindy Lauper connection. We're doing the 1980s classic McDonald's tie-in film. Mac and me, which I am so excited to watch and make fun of. Yeah, I've never seen that one. I haven't either, so I'm really excited to see uh, what it's going to look like. So, get in touch with us. Say hi. We always love to see it. We will be back on the 27th of August, which I think is our actual anniversary date, with Mac and me. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until August 27th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum some of this production. Ow.